five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. John Oates, they can't go for that. No can do. Are you coming over? Let's go. Right on time. Here he is. There he is. The yacht cat himself. Yeah. You're here for your loving fans, aren't you? If you're listening to the uh, to the podcast here. Oh, my hair's a little, a little funky today. If you're listening to the podcast, you don't get to see my funky hair. Maybe I'll leave this on. This looks a little better on. Yeah, there we go. Guess my you need some headphones, Jasper. You definitely need some headphones. So Hollow Notes, the last song for Hollow Notes Week. I'm feeling a little little shy this morning. Um, the last song for Hollow Notes Week, because uh, at, you know, tomorrow we're over on YouTube. And um, that's on the uh, 11th house side. And I can't play songs on YouTube, at least not songs like that, because I'll get a copyright claim and all kinds of weird things happen after that, depending upon how the gods feel about my status on any given day. So that brings us to the end of Hall and Oates Week. And uh, some of you who do watch the show are clapping and mercifully saying thank you. Uh, I happen to like Hollow Notes. I, I'm an unabashed fan of just about every era of the Hollow Notes era. So a little background on that track. If you don't know what the meaning of the song is, it's about... Daryl Hall's girlfriend not wanting to do a threesome. That's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. What do you know about threesomes? What do you know about threesomes? You've never been involved in a threesome. You've never even been involved in a twosome. The vets took care of that when you were a little kitty cat. It's all right. So... Daryl Hall is singing that song from the perspective of the uh, the girlfriend. You've got my body, now you want my soul. Right? He's asking her, hey, come on, let's go. Let's, let's switch it up. And when you watch the video, the clues in the video, they have a full band. At that time, they had, I think, Willie Weeks and uh, G.E. Smith uh, and but in that video, there's only three members of Hall and Oates. You have Daryl Hall on keyboards, and then um, uh, who? There was a T Bone Wolk, I think, was on, on bass. 
T-Bone Wolf was on bass during that time. So uh, John Oates on guitar and looks like Dave Scorpio on saxophone. Just three members of the Hall and, Hall and Oates band to underscore the threesome component to I Can't Go For That, No Can Do. That song was a massive, massive hit. And I have seen it on some Yacht Rock playlists. So it is definitely considered yachty. We have a couple of weeks left of Yacht. September 22nd is the day that the, uh, or right around that, that day is when the Yacht pulls into the dock. And then we're off into either Dark Yacht or Space Yacht. When is the 22nd? It's a Thursday. Oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. Because, well, first of all, it's my birthday. Second of all, it's a Thursday show. It is a Thursday show. And of course, on Friday, we don't do music over on YouTube. I'll have a special yacht extravaganza played for uh, or program for that day and possibly Friday. I'm going to try and get Jay Graydon on, on the Friday show. Of course, Jay Graydon, one of the, uh, one of the masterminds behind the Yacht Sound, along with David Foster in the Los Angeles scene. How was everybody? You guys doing okay today? We're going to talk about Deborah Burks, the hired contract killer who was hired to help take Trump down. Now, this is, I have to go into this side. Everything with Trump is always Gemini. There's always two sides to Trump, at least. And there's always two sides to the story. And this is a very interesting story. So I'm going to be quoting mostly off of a, a, a article from Business Insider, which details the the power that Deborah Burks had during the pandemic and how ultimately Trump wasn't able to do anything about it and the reason why it was happening. I'm going to get into that and I'll try to make some um, other connections, you know, dot connections, and examples as to how that got played out on a local basis. And in a lot of ways, what it means in the big picture too, as much as we can. Are you ready for the journey, buddy? Are you ready to go into Chattaria? Let's go say hi to our friends, huh? I think he is. All right, let's hang out with you guys. What is going on in your world's Let's see, who do we have here? We got DJ MC. What's going on, Brother Mike? Good to see you. There's Thomas Jordan. Good morning, my friend. Michael Pafford is here. Yes, we are in, we are still in the uh, yacht zone, but yacht season is drawing to a close. We'll have a different yacht come fall. Uh, let's see, who else do we have here? There's my man, Ryan. 
the president of the International Introspective Woodworkers of the World, also known as IWOW. Uh, let's see, the early bird gets worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. I've never heard that before, but that's good. Look, even uh, DJMC likes that. That's a keeper. Who moved the cheese? Yeah, who let the dogs out? Must have been a rat. Oh, Ryan's on a roll today. Look at him. You are on a roll. Must be that Mars and Gemini. Ryan's a Gemini. Must be that Mars energy kicking in. He's snappity, snappity. I get to watch the sheep now in the morning. I'll be at kind of at a distance, but they're out there. I get to watch them graze, chase after each other. It's kind of like watching the news. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? Sony. Here's our girl. Anna Sophia. Anna Sophia. Good to see you. Mark M, what's going on? Double M. Temp of the morning to you. Uh, let's see. JJ. JJ, the jeweler. She should, she should be JJJ. JJJ. Howdy back at you. It was the Scarlet Scarf Lady in the Oval Office with the Needle. I like that. I like that. Chris and Steve, looking forward to having you on the show tomorrow. By the way, Chris and Steve, this I, I am going to call you later. But we are. I just listened to, and you probably have too, uh, James Lindsay's, I think, latest and last podcast on Freire and religion, including how Freire was nominated. He was, he was uh, nominated and, and served on the board of the International Federation of Churches. And wow. What, a, what an episode that was. I think we're going to break that down and we're going to, we're going to, and we're going to have to take a microscope to Marxism, Hegel, Freire, and Gnosticism. It's a big, big discussion and a big part. You cannot talk about Freire and Marx and Hegel without, without invoking Gnosticism. And uh, Steve and Chris uh, both have a lot of experience in that world. So it'd be interesting to get their take on the application of Gnosticism through uh, the change of the social order. Miss Nakia is here. Look at, look at, uh, you should have CC. What's going on, Fran? Hey, back at you. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Although you miss Nakia, likes her Daryl Hall. <laughs> That's good. Beth Berry, double B, checking in. Hi, Beth. Oh, let's see. Mm -mm. Nicholas Graham, great song to smoke a J to. <laughs> Light it up. Fire it up. 
we had a fun chat with Freeman yesterday. Don't know when it goes up. Yeah, you guys, you guys be a good fit with Freeman. He's just down the road from you too. I know that because I flew out of the Greenville airport when I stayed in Nashville one time. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Maurice 100. He's here. Uh, you could land a small plane on that. Daryl Hall had the hair. I'm telling you. SP Dimples is back. She must have. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm assuming SP Dimples is a she. I should never assume your pronoun. But you're back. Thanks for being here. Holonos made mullets cool. They actually, Daryl Hall actually wore a freaking mullet and it worked. You know who else had a mullet? Billy Idol had a mullet. Billy Idol. Let's see who else we have. Uh, the, 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 the perfect storm. Yeah, Jasper, very chatty today. What's going on, Queen Lisa? Good to see you. And we got we got cat stories here. Uh, Gandalf apparently was uh, hooking up with an extra dimensional. Cats do that. Cats will see things that we don't see. Jasper does it all the time. All the time. Who else do we have? Jasper is both cuddly and opinionated. He is. You know, J Jasper has self-awareness. That's the one thing I love about Jasper. So JMP love, I tried calling you yesterday, Jackie, and then you ghosted me. JMP love ghosted me yesterday. I'm not going to take it personally. She's a mysterious Scorpio. Uh, let's see, anybody else? Is was Burks an SES employee? Good question, Michael. I don't have the answer to that, but it might be an ongoing part of our investigation. Tondar is here. What's going on, T? Apparently, Kushner has hit his line sack of self-aggrandization book out. Who'd want to fucking read Jared Kushner's book? Oh, my God. If you had to read one book, would it be Jared Kushner's book or Robin DiAngelo's Fragility of Whiteness? If somebody put a gun to your head, read one. Which one would you read? As bad as Kushner's book is, I'd probably read Kushner's book. The Trump presidency was hijacked on so many levels. Uh, let's see. Watching sheep and goats better than fishbowl for fun. They're all lined up. They're all pretty much all in a row. And from what I can see, they're all facing the same direction too. 
chomping on the last bits of the failed corn. Uh, ninja equals no income, no job or assets. Talking about loans here. I'm so late, but I made it. Kelly, you're right on time. Scrubbies is here. What's going on, Tamara? Always good to have you in the mix. Uh, anyone listen to Louder with Crowder? Mm, no. Uh, I'll be honest, I was listening to David and Dylan on the Before Dawn show. Look at that. Kelly B is, she's cheating on David and Dylan, unless their show ended. In which case, she's kind of cheating on me. Lost track of time while listening to that show. Well, it must have been interesting. Hopefully, this will be as interesting. Wendy says, I'll take the headshot first. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Here's our man, Steve. What's going on, Brother Steve? Good to see you. Um, I think we've come to the end here. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of good vibes in Chattoria. Yes, you you too can be a part of all the fun by showing up at 15minutesofflame.com at 9.11 a.m. Central Standard Time, Tuesday through Thursday. And if you're listening on the uh, podcast side of things, we do appreciate you. Let's, uh, let's give a little love and appreciation to our friend, Christopher Lynch. And... Um, his business, True Hemp Science, which we have all come to love and appreciate in our own very unique way. And I love taking the, the live viewers into his website. And the reason why I love to do that is because it's relaxing. It is the a ASMR of websites. You go right in there, and there's that verdant jungle waterfall. And what is that? Isn't that hemp that's growing on the side there? It sure looks like it. You've got a big stand of hemp. Now, I don't know if that's Photoshopped in or videoed in. It looks like hemp to me. I could be completely wrong, but that looks like hemp leaves blown in the wind. Looks like a hemp plant. Uh, but it's very relaxing. So you could just go to their website and just watch the waterfall come down and loop. However, you would be remiss if you didn't check out their products. And all of them are sourced from very high quality hemp that is then crafted into CBD. And of course, you've heard me rant rave about the gummies. Last night, did their trick as usual. And uh, went to the land of Nod. Had interesting dreams last night. Yes. You weren't in them, though. You were not in my dream. But you're still my dream cat. Uh, yeah, the gummies were just right on time. And in addition to all the gummies, you know, I haven't really gone through the product list lately. But let's look at some of the product list here. He's got all these different types of products. Edibles. 
This is where we get into the other uh, gummy gummy range, right? It's got Clarity Moon Dust, CBGA. There's the full spectrum hemp gummies. Got the black cherry. You get the big uh, the, the the container for the for the gummies comes in this big beautiful kind of glass blue jar, which apparently has some kind of healing property. Put light through it. But uh, there's the gummies right there. And the moon dust, I think, is, I think that's a new product. I got I to gotta talk to Chris about the moon dust. Uh, he's got some skincare products there, too. And we have frankincense CBD lotion, the total body bundle, uh, and then the super salve sensitive skin repair. I've used uh, CBD, not any of Chris's products. But I have used CBD externally, and it's actually been uh, worked, really worked for me. Uh, so we have the skincare, the topical salve. Do we go there? Here's a topical salve. CBD, super salve, sensitive skin repair right there. So we got a, a, a full spectrum of products, including products for your pets, which I've talked about before. And we have Pet Sounds, which is CBD and MCT oil combined for your pet. So lots of uh, options there over on True Hemp Science. If you go to truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23, that's truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23, You'll be able to get um, some from some free goodies if you spend a hundred dollars or more. All you got to do is put one five M I N S in the little checkout box when you check out. That ensures Chris that you, you know that the or he knows that he came from this portal, and that um, that you're going to get that discount. Spend one hundred fifty dollars or more. It's not really a discount; it's a bonus. Spend $150 or more and you will get free shipping. So there you go. All right. So I went to this, I'm going to get to Deborah Burks. I went to this Korean restaurant last night. And it was weird. It, it was weird. It was one of those kind of spontaneous things. I had to go into Austin and I didn't load the pictures. I'm not going to, I'm not going to show them today. But uh, so I went into Austin because I had to get some title work done on my uh, one of my vehicles. And so spontaneously, uh, I called Dr. S. said, hey, you want to you want to meet me for dinner? So she was not too far away. She was kind of in the same latitude. Uh, but about uh, maybe 15, 20 miles away, but ultimately kind of on the way home. So I was uh, looking around, you know, it's like you look in your phone and you, you like restaurants near me, right? So I punch it up and I see this restaurant. It's called Hana, Hana, Hana Yor. Hana Yor. That's the name of the restaurant. And it's a Korean restaurant. And you look at the pictures. Well, you always got to look at the pictures. Eh, it looks reasonable. Dining area looks re looks like a reasonable restaurant. Oh, food looks good. 
All right, so let's go check it out. So I go to this place. Now, this is in North Austin. I think it's um, not far from the Dell Computer Campus. And it's a very different world there. Super different. Um, first of all, for a lot of those people, it's still 2020. And they're walking around with masks. And I've come to determine right now that there are three demographics that wear the mask more than others still to this day. Here they are. Are you ready? I, I, if it sounds cliche, I'm sorry. I'm just reporting what I see. Women. Women will wear masks more than men. And the majority of those women are white women. White women are still wearing the mask. Period. End of story. Liberal white women. Let's qualify that. Liberal what the LW liberal what LWW the LWWs wearing the mask. Second demographic. Oh, there's a sub demographic that goes along with the liberal white women. The sub demographic are young woke people. They're they're the sub sub demographic. Now they can branch off into a number of different directions. And I'll give you an example in a second. Second demographic, which probably will not surprise you, are Asians. They were fucking wearing the mask before any of this started. You remember like walking around and seeing the random Asian person with a mask on? Oh, what's that all about? You'd always see it on planes. Always. If the... It, if there's an Asian person on a plane or Asian people, probably a pretty good chance at least one, maybe two, would be wearing a mask. And I started seeing that years ago. I started seeing that in the 90s. I was probably just a holdover from China because the air is so shitty or something. I, I, who knows? But everybody in this Korean restaurant, and I'll get back to the Korean restaurant in a second. They were wearing masks. The staff is wearing masks. It's like, really? That ship, that, that ship has sailed. That Chinese junk has sailed. Third demographic, again, I'm just reporting what I'm seeing. There is a <clears throat> fairly high preponderance of so-called Black people that wear masks. And, and I, I'm still stupefied over this in a lot of ways. I still scratch my head it, because it's it, the numbers... I wouldn't say they're disproportionate, but they're kind of disproportionate. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, I was in a cafe here in, in Fredericksburg, sitting down, having a coffee, whatever, right? And there were these, these two black women who had uh, come in, gonna have coffee, and they, they were dressed really well. They dressed nicely. You could tell, I mean, you know, they, prob they probably had some cash to burn. So they weren't, you, at least to my eyes, I'm just going to, you know, try to break it. To my eyes, they didn't seem 
like an economic underclass, okay? And if they were, they, they certainly wore it well. But there they were with masks on. They're, they come in, they wear a mask, they order their coffee. I didn't really pay too much attention to them, but they had to take their fucking mask off at some point to sip their coffee, unless it was one of those masks that has like the little slit. You, you can stick a straw in there or something. To this day, I'm still like amazed. Like, and even even I, I'll see even black men wearing masks. It's there was one yesterday at the DMV. He's wearing um, basketball shorts, you know, the long basketball shorts, and he's kind of wearing a matching. They were red, kind of wearing a matching red, sort of sleeveless basketball top. No, no insignia or anything. And, you know, I'm always watching. I guess I'm not, hold on a second. I'm always watching, right? Always watching people. Trying to, it's like, I, I'm a Scorpio rising. What can I say? So I'm watching their interaction, his interaction with the guy at the counter. And they seem very familiar with each other. So, you know, my take, and he's over in this area that does titles. So the, that guy does something with cars, right? He's just not there to take care of his like everyday kind of, I got an issue with my car business. No, he's in a car business of some sort, right? Yes, where's your mask? Where's your mask? Your face is getting white. It almost looks like you have a mask now. So he's wearing a mask. I'm like, what is, and this is again in North Austin. It's a different world up there, way different world. And there, so I go to find this restaurant, this, this Korean restaurant. It's inside of a Korean market with a lot of Asian goods that are, um, maybe I'll play some of them tomorrow on the show with Steve and Chris, just to lighten it up a little bit. Because um, I took pictures of a lot of these products and some of them are fucking wonky, really, really wonky. And I'll, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to this market and I had this moment. Yes, you weren't there. So these people wanted to cross in front of me. You know, I'm going through the parking lot. They're walking out of one of the businesses and walking into the lot and I'm going this way, right? So they're crossing in front of me. And it was, they were, they were the oddest couple. And she was kind of like Lizzo. Not as big, but think Lizzo. Okay. And she's wearing a mask. She's with a guy who... How, how how would I describe him? He, as as kind of big as she was, he was the exact opposite. Like he would he would he was like a he was he's like a street pole. And he was also the exact opposite of her in terms of skin tone. So he's pale white, and he's he's like a street pole, and she's a slightly more modified version of Lizzo and they're together. 
and they're both wearing masks. <laughs> okay, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is, I mean, it's like a weird couple scene. I don't know if they're friends. I don't know if, who knows what, I don't know what their thing is, right? But they're together. So I had this moment and I'm, and it's, you know, one of those moments where you're like, well, I really don't have to see these people and I can just hit my accelerator a little and just go right past them. I don't have to stop. There's no crossway. You ever had that moment? It's kind of like you, you check yourself and you, and you kind of see where you are on the, uh, you know, kind of the, you know, feel good, tip your cap, show a little respect scale versus, hey, I'm just going to go and, you know what, have a good day, right? There's, you ever have those moments? Well, I was having that moment as I approached them. And I, and I had this thing go on in my head really quickly. It was like, stop for them. Stop for them because we are in an ideological war. And I'm going to, I'm going to put the brakes on my bias and say, fuck you, you little, you little woke twerps. I'm going to blow past you. Your lives don't matter to me. And I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't. And it's not because I was empathizing with their struggle or anything. Trust me. It was just like, well, let's see what happens. So I stopped the brakes and they looked at me and they waved at me. They were like, thank you. Right. I'm like, okay, that was cool. Right. That was a cool, that was, I mean, who knows? It's not like, you know, we, we stopped the alien invasion or anything like that. It's not like we took down the fed, but in that moment, right. In that moment, I'm like checking my own bias Right, like fuck you, you don't exist to me. You guys are bots. You're you're just droids. You're zombies, and so in my world, you don't really exist. Oh, I'm glitching out. I got to change my camera setting. This is happening more and more often. My apologies. Here we go. I'm gonna have to get a new camera, I think, especially for this event. So. But it was cool. They waved back, right? So I, I think, I think the world, um, the world is lubricated by small interactions like that. It's they're not huge, but small interactions. Here I am, the guy with the privilege driving the Cadillac tapping my brakes, I, you know, it was a good moment. <laughs> it was just a social experiment. That's all it really was. So then I go, we go into the market and well, the restaurants in the market, nobody's there. And you know, you ever go to a place where it smells funny? Like, like it's a smell you're not accustomed to. Now, when I first came to Texas, I would go to convenience stores in Texas. And the convenience stores often have uh, food that they'll serve. Not just food in the warmer, 
but there are convenience stores where they actually will will make food. So I used to go to this this place uh, near where my son lives, and I did gas and we get tacos at this place, and they had burgers there. It was pretty good food actually. I'm surprised. But you would go in and you would be hit with two smells. One is the smell of whatever that antiseptic that they use. It's usually pe- people who are uh, uh, the cleaning crew or the people from the business. And in most cases, I'm just going to, again, I'm going to say it here in Texas, they're going to be Mexican, right? They're the hired help. They're the custodians that Beto O'Rourke uh, is lionizing and trying to get the custodian vote. So, but it's a smell. You get used to it, right? It's an antiseptic smell. It's like a little stringent, but at least you know they're trying to keep the place somewhat clean. But then over the top of it, you'll smell like the Mexican food. You know, the tacos, the taco seasoning. So you get this weird kind of collision of these two different... And and I've also been in places like the same kinds of markets where they have a similar... It's got to be just like one fucking antiseptic that they sell to all these you know, mini marts. But the same thing, but the people behind the counter are Indian. And sometimes they'll actually be serving some version of Indian food in, in one of these, you know, mini marts where you get gas. So then you get like the curry smell on top of the stringent antiseptic smell. It's like that was a smell that I'm still not totally used to. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, because it's going in all these different directions. Like if you just got the taco smell or the curry smell or whatever, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I can probably handle that. So, you know, it's, it's a little overpowering, but, you know, you're in a place where they serve these foods, right? Part It's part of the experience. But then you throw in this this industrial antiseptic thing. And it's like, this is weird. Anyway, so I go into, we go into the Korean restaurant. And again, it's another one of these weird smell places. You know, it's, it's, it, I'm a Virgo, okay? So the weird smell thing is really kind of up there in my olfactory world or my sensorial world. The weird smell thing can flip my switch in fact okay this is how weird it gets i have cabinets here that are old so when i leave the glasses in there they smell like the cabinets i I can't stand it so i have to wash my glasses out (laughs) before i can put anything and i gotta wash them like three times i gotta rinse them out because i can't deal with the smell that goes all the way back to my childhood anyway so i go into this restaurant it's like it's got the weird smell but it's a different smell. It's not the same industrial antiseptic. And these are different kinds of, you know, so we're now we're talking kimchi, garlicky smell on top of like the, the antiseptic version that they use in those places. I was like, okay, all right. But the food was good. It was really legit Korean food. It was quite good. The market was a trip. In North Austin, North Austin is uh, immigration city. Let me tell you, immigration city. If you want diversity, 
go live in North Austin and uh, you will, every time you turn, you will run into diversity. And not, not always a bad thing. It's, it's not always a bad thing, especially when you get good Korean food. You did not get any of that Korean food. I'm not sure you can handle that smell. All right, let's get into this Burks thing. Thanks for listening. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna tomorrow because it'll be. It might be fun to uh, riff with the crimmies on some of these images. They're both pretty witty. Okay, where am I going? Mm, all right, how about here? I can't go for that. I can't go for that. All right. A lot going on here. Uh, oh, yeah, I got that. So every day, there's a, there's a new fucking drama. Every day. Every day. Uh, so there was a uh, guy that was shot in his bed in Ohio. Of course, he is black, and the cops shot him, and it's going to be hitting your radar screens. Apparently, again, uh, somebody who had a significant record, didn't want to open the door. I, I don't want to get into it too much because that's going to take away from the subject matter. Just keep your eye on it. It's going to, it's going to cross the radar screens. And uh, no doubt you will be uh, reading about it, hearing about it. Uh, let me do this. Oh, it's going to be, where is it? It's over here. My bad. Okay, I gotta go to another place. I think this is what we want. Uh, let's see. So, oh gosh, I wish I could find the original. Uh, all right, let me let me give you sort of the Reader's Digest notes. Now, now I'm really uh, here. Let me do this. Hold on. 
Got a little dead air here, but bear with me. I promise I will get, because I, I, I really want to get to the, uh, the actual story that I, was, that I wanted to quote from. Uh, let me go back here. Give me one sec. Basically, what Burks was employed with or for was to uh, take down Trump. That, that always with Trump, always, there's always the other side of the story. There's always the other side of the tale. Always. Uh, because that's just how he's wired. All right, so it's not there. Let me go back over here. That's how he's wired. There's always going to be some other angle. Now, apparently, there are going to be no charges filed with Trump or on Trump with the DOJ. That, a, a lot of this stuff is cosmetic. It's a lot to unpack, actually, because there's a plan going on here. And the plan ultimately is to use all of this momentum, this negative momentum around Trump to completely and utterly disenfranchise Americans, uh, conservative Americans, patriotic Americans, Christian Americans, freedom-loving Americans, right? This is what's happening. This is a strategy, and they're doing everything in their power to use Trump as this catalyst, the wick. Trump is the wick, and they're, they're trying to label everyone who either voted for Trump and or is associated and believes in the values that Trump theoretically, I'll use that word theoretically, believes in, they're all part of the problem. So what they've done, which is what they always do, they invert everything. And they're actually the problem. And I hate to say this, but they're the problem. But they're going to invert everything and they're going to push it out and make the quote unquote everyday working class schmo American the problem. They're the problem. You're the problem. Theoretically, I'm the problem. Or theoretically, you're the problem. We're, we'll, we'll share the, uh, the theoretical status. That's what's happening here. And this is kind of an all-in moment. This is an all-in moment. Whatever is going to happen with the midterms, if, if they happen, and I'll put the quotes around if, this is all being orchestrated so that they can turn the milk sour and get people souring on Trump, souring on these conservative values, nationalistic values, the libertarian. You know, they went after the libertarians. And then once they got the libertarians and infiltrated and um, astroturf libertarians, then they went after the Republicans, kind of more the alt-right, some of the old paleoconservatives. 
And it's, it's a takedown, right? It's a takedown. They, they want to get rid of this group, which, by the way, dovetails with the conversation that we're going to have with Steve and Chris tomorrow about Paolo Freire and this whole idea of individualism. Because that's a group that is connected to the idea of individuality. This other group is connected to the idea of the collective. So this is a very, very important distinction. And what they want to do is they want to, they, they, they literally want to cast a spell over individuality. Because in the new world and in the new world order, individuality is not allowed. Driving your car, your gas-powered car will not be allowed. Driving your car to wherever you want to go will, won't be allowed. Eating a diet of your own choosing will not be allowed. All your choices will be precepts. You will become a piece of the collective. You will become part of the hive mind. And right now, what we're witnessing is an attempt to demonize individual thought, individual perception, individual choice. Period. End of story. And they are using Trump as the wicker man. And they want to light the wicker man on fire. Now, again, I think Trump is as culpable as a lot of these other crime families, these syndicates, because that's what the Trumps are. They're a syndicate, just like the Bushes, just like the Clintons, just like the Obamas, just like the Cheneys. Throw the Kennedys in there. They're all a fucking syndicate. They're all crime families. They are, they're all invested and interested in the acquisition of wealth and power within their uh, genealogical and familial networks and orders. And they overlap, just like crime syndicates overlap. Back in the old days, you'd have some crime syndicates, they'd work together, they'd work well for a while, and then every now and then, they'd have some asshole in the other syndicate do something that you know, cross the line or cross the boundary and they'd sit down and say, Hey, you got to take care of, uh, so-and-so, Oh, you know, we can't do that. You know, he's, he's, he's so-and-so son and, you know, he's really important and, uh, you know, we'll have a talk with him, but we can't, no, you got to take care of him. You got to take, if you don't take care of him, we'll take care of him. Well, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, you know, there's, there's a lot of love there and a lot of protection. I'm not sure if we, no. Okay. Okay. Well, and don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. And so they'll take care of it. And then what will happen? Somebody in that group, like, man, that son of a bitch. Those sons of bitches. Look what they did. Right? They do it all the time. And that's what these crime families do. All the time. But that said, this is where we are. This is, this is an all-in moment. This is an all-in moment. 87,000 IRS agents. Who do you think those 87,000 IRS agents are? They're not the people that they showed in those videos. I can tell you that right now. Uh, so Trump, by the way, there's nothing they can charge him with. With these, with these uh, documents. So a lot of people say, well, those are classified documents. No, they're not. Obama changed the law. Basically, Obama 
Obama wrote wrote this uh, law into effect for presidents. I don't know if it's an executive order or not, but I, I have it here somewhere. Uh, basically, all you have to do for your president is just kind of wave your hand over the documents and they're no longer classified. That's why Obama took a shit ton of documents while he was there out of the, having Obama's president was terrible. Absolutely terrible. So no, there are going to be no charges. Now think about this. They went there, they did a raid, they got these documents, they made a big deal out of it. And he's not going to be charged. Why? They're not, they're not classified documents. They're not. But what, is, what does it do? It stirs the pot. Stirs the pot. And you just keep getting more and more propaganda that anybody who, who was Jean-Pierre Karine, right? Karine Jean-Pierre, Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary said, essentially, if you voted for Trump, and I'm paraphrasing her, you belong in a fucking camp. And that's what, and that's what Biden was saying the other day. He basically was threatening the American people. Oh, you think you, you think your 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 AR-15s are a match for an F-15? We got another thing coming, to you buddy. Like what fucking American president? He's not the American president. Which which American president actually addresses people like that? It's never happened. Never. He's making open threats to the American public. This is what's going on. This is absolutely what's going on. All right, let me let me continue to uh, search for this. Uh, let's see, where is it? Mm -mm. Try one more time. See, we got here. Is this it? No. Oh, this is interesting. Mike Pence and Jared Kushner helped Dr. Burks push lockdowns. Let's let's read this. So before I get in here, Burke Burks. Nobody knew who hired Burks. Nobody knew who hired Burks. And Scott Atlas, when he was there, tried to get to the bottom of the whole Burks situation. He couldn't, he couldn't even figure it out. And we know that Burks, at one point in time, I think worked for uh, Fauci at the NIH. It took the fall for the AIDS stuff along with James Redfield a long time ago. But nobody could get to the bottom of Burks. And Burks basically was the administrator that was telling Trump what to do. And apparently Trump had very little power to 
according to what I read, and if I find the article between today and tomorrow, maybe we'll bring it up with Steve and Chris tomorrow. But according to the article, Trump wanted everything to be over by Easter. Like he hated, Trump hated the lockdowns. Trump knew that the lockdowns were going to be uh, disastrous for him as a president. I, I, I also think that he looked at all the quote unquote financial gains that had taken place during his administration. The extraordinarily low unemployment numbers, the rise of employment in the so-called black community, uh, fuel prices uh, at, at a you know all-time low for like what the last decade. Uh, the GDP was up around four percent, four and a half percent, which is like crazy for the GDP. Now, of course, he printed a shit ton of money. He fast-tracked five G, right? He did a bunch of stuff on the other side. It's always Trump. That's all. That's what he always does. It's like, oh, over here, it's really good. Over here, ah, not so good. Like that is Trump in a big fat nutshell. But in this case, he wanted to end the lockdowns by Easter and he kept getting pushback. There was like very little apparently that he could do. And according to the article, he would get enraged at Burks and scream at her and it didn't really matter scott atlas has a book he talks about some of this it didn't really matter so burks becomes the de facto model for what happens at a local level like over here at our hospital we had a version of burks and what did she do she determined the policy for the entire county. The entire policy for the entire county. And the mayor deferred to her. The county commissioners deferred to her. The local judge deferred to her. So it, 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 was, it was the rise of the Burkses all across the country. You know, this is when they put the Karens in power. So let me read you this here. This is uh, the National Pulse. Let's see if I get my other camera back. No, I'm invisible. I've left the, the I got to get a new camera. Oh, here I am. Good. I like this camera better. It has better resolution. Okay, cool. We'll be back here until I blink out again. All right, uh, let's do this. Let's go to National Pulse. Dr. Burks, who admitted COVID subterfuge in Trump's White House, says her go-to people were Jared Kushner and Mike Pence. Mike Pence is a fucking snake. Look at him. Look at Trump. He's not into this. He's not into this. Writing in her book, Silent Invasion, former White House COVID Task Force member Ambassador Deborah Burks admits that her go-to connections to push pro-lockdown policies in the White House were none other than Vice President Mike Pence and President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. That motherfucker Kushner. We didn't vote for her. We didn't vote for him. I mean, when I heard that Jared Kushner was going to be part of the White House team with Trump, 
I shook my head. I'm like, we're, we're, this is not good. We didn't, we didn't elect this, this, uh, this shit. And what happens? It's right here. This is what happens. The National Pulse's previous report from Burke's book, she admitted to subterfuge in the White House, going as far as to implement changes in policy without authorization and contrary to the Trump White House's instructions. Chapter 10 of her book further explains, just as I knew that in a pandemic, getting people to change their behavior was very hard, that was true of those shaping the pandemic response as well. Better to leverage those who could help me impact the response than those who resisted me. There was Jared and there was the vice president. And those two men would be my go-to people in the White House. Then and for the next nine months to move the pandemic response forward. So Trump now is getting pressured by Pence. Pence is connected to that evangelical freak show that surrounds Trump, the charismatic Catholics. So he's getting pressure from Pence and he's getting pressure from Kushner. And if he's getting pressure from Kushner, guess who else he's getting pressure from? Ivanka. So now he's in this vice grip between Pence. And by the way, Pence is a longtime political insider. Long time. And if I'm not mistaken, Jerome Allen, who was the Surgeon General, worked for Pence in Indiana. So there's another, there's another like Pence pawn in the in the White House. So he'll turn to Jerome, I think it's Jerome Allen, right? Is that the guy's name? The guy who was the Surgeon General. Turns to him. Well, you know, I'm I'm with uh I'm with uh, Deborah on this one. So he, Trump is surrounded by people who are applying pressure for him to keep this thing locked down. He did not want to do it. Throughout the book, Burks explains how she was pro-lockdown to the extreme, even refusing to attend meetings with those who opposed her perspective. Where did she learn that from? Tony fucking Fauci. That's where she learned that from. Because Fauci wouldn't attend meetings that were going to be contrary to his plan. We know that. We've seen that. I talked about it. I had a post that came out off of a, a message board where a guy actually worked for Fauci in the NIH or NIAID and talked about Fauci's management style. He would attend meetings up to the launch of something, once it was launched, he was done. And if there were problems, he never attended those meetings. Never. If somebody came to him with an issue, he would listen and say nothing. That's where Burks learned this. Throughout the book, Burks explains how she was pro-lockdown in the extreme. Even refused to attend meetings with those who oppose her perspective. In chapter 13, Burks admits to her petulance. Somehow, I had to cut Dr. Scott Atlas off from any degree of influence he might try to exert on anyone short of the president, whether during my absence or while I was still there. Individually, I contacted Mark Short, Mark Meadows, and Jared Kushner. I communicated clearly to everyone, I won't be in any meetings any longer if Scott Atlas is present at them. 
If that means a meeting in the Oval Office, it doesn't matter. If it's at the task force, it doesn't matter. If it's at the COVID huddle, I don't want him there. This is what we were dealing with, people. We were dealing with this bitch. Now, I think, and again, I'm not here to give Trump a pass. I'm not here to give him a pass. But I think he fast-tracked these vaccines to circumvent this. That's what I think. I think it was like a big fuck you. His problem is that he didn't go back and say, I listened to Burks and Fauci to get these vaccines going. Like that should have been his political ploy instead of doing the victory laps. But again, I'm not giving Trump a pass. I'm not condoning it. But I think that was, what was the, uh, there was a Star Trek episode. It might've been, was it the one with the Tholian web? It was worth the, 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 the something, it was, a, the, it was like a Japanese term. Basically, it was a self-destruct uh, mech. It was a self-destruct strategy that the enterprise was going to employ. And it was like a game of chicken. They were engaged with this alien force. And um, and then, so this is, I think this is what, was this something strategy? Here, now I got to find, I'll do it afterwards. I think that's what Trump did. For better or worse, and of course he made money off of it. Of course he, he knew what, it was almost like, fuck it. Fuck it, I'm going down this path now. Because this is the only thing that is going to be able to knock out a parasite like uh, Scarf Lady. The news comes as the former vice president increasingly attempts to carve out a role for himself in the conservative movement with many speculating intents to challenge President Trump for the Republican nomination in 2024. Again, I'm not, I'm not really interested in that theater. I'm just giving you the blow by blow. Earlier in the book, Burks admitted to devising a workaround for the governor's reports where she claims she would reinsert what the White House had objected to, but place it in different locations. I'd also reorder and restructure the bullet points so the most salient, the points the administration objected to the most, no longer fell at the start of the bullet points. I shared these strategies with the three members of the data team also writing these reports. Our Saturday and Sunday report writing routine soon became write, submit, revise, hide, resubmit, Fortunately, this strategic side of hand worked. They never seemed to catch the subterfuge. Left me to conclude that they either read the finished reports too quickly or they neglected to do the word search that would have revealed the language to which they objected. Ambassador Burks says she was recruited into her role by National Security Advisor Matt Pottinger and was championed for the position by New Hampshire congressional hopeful Matt Mowers. So now we understand who got Burks in there. It was Matt Pottinger. Where have we heard that name before? Let's do a little Matt Pottinger dive.
I always love these uh, Wikipedias where they don't give people's birth dates. Let's do a little, we'll do a little wiki on uh, Matt Pottinger. You guys know I talked about him before. Look at the middle name, Forbes. Matthew Forbes Pottinger is an American journalist and U.S. Marine Corps officer who served as the United States Deputy National Security Advisor from September 22nd, 2019 until January 7th, 2021. Previously, the Asia Director on the National Security Council since 2017. His tenure was unusual among senior aides, serving under President Trump for its length, given administration marked by high turnover. Pottinger worked to develop the Trump administration's policies towards China. He was sanctioned by China in January 2021, alongside 28 other Trump administration officials. Pottinger submitted his resignation on the afternoon, January 6th, in response to the 2021 United States Capitol attack. He left the White House the following morning. This is the important part. Pottinger is the son of author and former Department of Justice official J. Stanley Pottinger. He was ed educated at Milton Academy and was schoolmate and friend of John Avalon. Pottinger graduated from University of Massachusetts Amherst with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Chinese studies and is fluent in Mandarin. This guy's groomed. He's groomed. Before he joined the USMC, Pottinger worked as a journalist for Reuters. He's probably more likely CIA at that point. Between 1998 and 2001, then he moved to the Wall Street Journal until his retirement from journalism in 2005. For four years, he was a regular guest on the John Batchelor Show radio program. His stories won awards from the Society of Publishers in Asia. He covered a variety of topics, including the SARS pandemic and the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami. In the latter assignment, he met United States Marines and was inspired by their courage. He spent seven years reporting in China. Uh, in 2018, a political profile described Pottinger as a fairly typical conservative internationalist. That means he's a globalist. He has never been a Trump-style MAGA conservative and who donated to both Democrats and Republicans. In 2017, he was hired as a member of the U.S. National Security Council of Administration of Donald Trump. Michael Flynn, whom Pottinger had worked for in the military, made him the NSC's Asia director, and he remained in his position under H.R. McMaster and John Bolton. By the way, I don't trust Mike Flynn at all. Not at all. Uh, in 2018, after a proposed summit with North Korea had been canceled, blah, 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 blah. This is all blah, blah. This is all blah, blah personal life. In 2014, Pottinger married Dr. Yen Duong, a virologist who immigrated to the United States as a child after she and her family fled Vietnam following the Vietnam War. They have two children and they live in Utah. What I'm really interested in is his father, John Stanley Pottinger. This guy is a deep, deep state player. He's an American novelist, lawyer, previously worked as a banker in the 80s and served as a political executive known for his appointments involving civil rights. J. Stanley Pottinger, born 1940, Dayton, Ohio, to parents 
uh, Elnora and John Pottinger. Uh, he grew up and attended high school in Dayton. Pottinger credits his father with instilling him awareness of civil rights. Pottinger graduated from Harvard University. He continued his studies at Harvard. So we don't get any background on his parents whatsoever. None. So this guy is more than likely bloodline or blue blood. You just don't get into Harvard that way. He got a JD from Harvard. Pottinger's interest in politics led him to volunteer uh, to aid in the campaign of Robert Finch, Lieutenant Governor of California. Finch asked him to, uh, in 1968, to head the Civil Rights Division. So what they're not telling you here is that Pottinger was deep throat. According to journalist Bob Woodward, Pottinger was, is the only person who discovered the true identity of the Watergate source, Deep Throat, was Mark Felt. Pottinger maintained the secret until 2005 when Felt publicly declared he was, Mark Felt was not Deep Throat. It was Stanley Pottinger. That's who it was. He fed that shit to Mark Felt. What you, don't, what you won't read here is that he held, well, you'll read part of it. He held a significant uh, role in as a bureaucratic appointee in the Nixon, Ford, and Carter administrations. He held the position of the director of the Office of Civil Rights, Department of Health, Education, and Welfare, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so he had a nine-year relationship with Gloria Steinem. His other exes include Kathy Lee Gifford, Connie Chung, and publisher-turned-agent Joni, Ev Joni Evans. So uh, Stanley Pottinger got around. Gloria Steinem, of course, guess what? She's a fucking CIA asset. So let's go Pottinger and Henry Kissinger. Okay, so a lot of this stuff gets buried. A lot of it gets buried, especially on, on Google. You just can't do like a search like you did in the old days. So you have to run across things like this. Quote, Donald Trump suspects, plan, uh, suspects planted evidence in the raid of Mar-a-Lago, but he probably doesn't know who took out the last president to be undermined so badly. Remember... They went to Mar-a-Lago on the anniversary of when Nixon signed his resignation letter. That is an important date. And if Trump learned who took out Nixon, he would have no problem figuring out who was undermining him. Stan Pottinger, Henry Kissinger's hatchet man, took out Richard Nixon. Now his son, Matt, is taking out Trump's bid for re-election. In October of 2021, I guess this is what, uh, George Webb, I did a series of news shows on a little-known U.S. State Department diplomat named Matt Pottinger that had joined Donald Trump's national security team as a deputy advisor for Peter Navarro 
I had profiled Matt Pottinger as the Kissinger kid, primarily because his father, Stanley Pottinger, was the key man in coming up with Deep Throat in the Watergate affair to take out Richard Nixon as president with Mark Felt of the FBI. Now, keep in mind, it's Matt Pottinger who hires Deborah Burks. He's the one that brings Scarf Lady on. He's the, he's the guy who is working behind the scenes, ultimately, to take out Trump. And Trump was his own worst fucking enemy by bringing that shitbag son-in-law of his into the fucking White House. Like, thank you very much, Donald. It's like, it's a family fucking business, okay? I get it. But you don't have to bring your family to Washington. He wanted to bring Ivanka, but he can't bring Ivanka without shitbag. And Ivanka's no better. She's no better. Achilles fucking heel. So if you look at Trump's chart, let's bring it back to his astrological chart. Trump's fifth house is Capricorn. It's children. And he had Saturn and he had Pluto going through his fifth house for the entirety of his four-year term. Children. And his children, ultimately, especially his shitbag son-in-law became a liability. So when I was when I was going back to Colorado and doing interviews with Regina, one of the things that I found and looked up and brought up in the, the uh, one of the interviews with her was that Trump has Pluto in Leo in the 12th house. And Jared Kushner's true note, which is in Leo, is right on Trump's Pluto. And I thought, them, I looked at that, I said, this motherfucker is a vampire. He is there to suck the life and power out of Donald J. Trump. That's what he's there to do. And that's exactly what he did. His wealth increased tremendously. His wealth. His wife's wealth increased tremendously. By the way, Trump's wealth went down, but their wealth went up. Not only that, but if he was engaged in some kind of agenda to monkey wrench the people of the United States, and I believe he probably was. Now, what the motivation is, was it his own gain? Was it for uh, the mother country, our best friend in the Fertile Crescent? I don't know the answer to that. But he did us no favors, none whatsoever. And in fact, he's he was part of a conspiracy ultimately to ruin his father-in-law. Good job, Trump. Good job allowing your daughter to marry that shitbag. And then you pardoned his fucking father after it was all said and done. You pardoned his father for all of the interference and the pain that that piece of shit caused the American people. You pardoned his father. I don't like to get personal like this sometimes, 
but every now and then you got you got to un, un, unreal it okay so now you have Matt Pottinger who is he's a spook he's a spook and his father's a spook you got a spook inside the white house he's got an agenda it's clear they used to call them internationalists then, then the term became globalist. It's clear he is an internationalist. He's raised in internationalist circles. He's moved through the CIA. If you're, if you're a reporter for Reuters and you're a foreign correspondent, come on. What are you doing, right? You're there to funnel information back and forth, control the flow coming in, grab the flow coming in, and disseminate it to the people that, you know, theoretically, you know, want it. And this is the guy that hires Burks. And then Burks runs her little subterfuge plan to do everything to not be in meetings with Scott Atlas. I'm telling you, this is the story. This is the fucking story. And I don't know why Trump has not come out and just gone after Scarf Lady and Fauci and Pence and his shitbag son-in-law. These are the people... And, uh, and I'm not painting Trump out to be a victim here, but he is in way over his head. Way over his head. And you can make a joke about how much he loves his daughter, okay? That's probably on the table. But I guarantee you he loves his daughter. His daughter resurrected his career. The rumor is that his daughter was the person who thought of The Apprentice and pitched it and got the deal and all that shit, right? So she was very instrumental in helping him recreate his image because his image had gone down. He'd gone through the bankruptcies, the divorce with Marla Maples. I mean, it, Trump was not doing well. The failure of the casinos in Atlantic City, the money that he owed, all that shit. So she helped rebuild his image with The Apprentice. So of course he's going to love her, right? It's probably his favorite kid out of out of all of them. But he let his favorite kid marry a shitbag. You know why? Because he thought that it would be good for the family. He thought that marrying into the Kushner family would provide them with connections and help them with the business opportunities. Every single one of his kids married into Jewish families. And there's a reason for that. Because they felt that by merging these families, that they would be better off. Business opportunities, political cover, whatever, right? Whatever. So he probably pinched his nose and looked the other way. And that's my son-in-law, Jared fucking Kushner. And then he brings him to the White House. This is where Trump made a egregious error. Egregious. And I and I and I would bitch about it. Like this motherfucker Kushner is in there influencing everything. You just see him. He was he was kind of like the Rasputin. He was like the Rasputin of the Trump Romanov court. And don't even get me started about Pence. Pence 
has the signature of a complete sociopath. Complete sociopath. The guy flatlines with everything. Everything. It comes off as being oh so fucking sincere. This is what we had to deal with. So Scarf Lady was hired by Matt Pottinger to basically take Trump out. And the pandemic was the was the thing to not only take Trump out, but take out a wide swath of what we would call nationalists or patriots or freedom-loving people or Christians to rile them up, to set up the fires of 2020, the summer of Floyd, the impotence of the president, not being able to do anything. It's all part of the plan. And now they're going in. Right now they're trying to go in. They're still trying to use Trump and light him, light the wicker man on fire. Light the wicker man on fire. Well, this Mar-a-Lago thing is not going to fly. Right? It's not going to fly. And again, I am not here to be a, a, a MAGA waiver. But there's going to be another chapter here, especially when Mars gets closer to Trump's son. And you're about to see it. You will, you will see something. I guarantee you. And they know that, which puts us in a precarious position. So between now and the end of the month, right, the world will be on edge. It'll be on edge. But in your case, stay cool. Listen to some Yacht Rock. All right, I'm out of here. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart to stay on what's possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. Join me tomorrow with the Crimmies over on YouTube. Bye for now.